Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of What You Talking About. Today's guest is Lauren Khalil, an absolute force of nature in the world of CrossFit media. Now a part of the Talking Elite Fitness team, Lauren has been broadcasting and creating great content in the sport for years and boy is she good at it. We chat all about how she made the move to CrossFit from local news, her own training, the best people she's interviewed and much more. We love this episode and hope you do too. And as always, don't forget to like, rate and subscribe to be the first to hear all about our new episodes and content. Enjoy! Lauren, thank you so, so much for joining me. Welcome to the show. How are things? Good. I'm so excited to be here. I just got off of a lovely vacation, so I'm feeling refreshed and ready to go. like a much needed vacation I'm sure as well you have been so busy yeah and it's funny because normally I try to after the CrossFit games take a couple of days uh to pump out like the last little bits of content you know athlete interviews after they've been on the podium or anything and then after that I'm like okay I need to take like 72 hours. I'm not going to answer an email. I'm not going to answer a phone call. But knowing that I had this family vacation pushed a little further out, I was just like, okay, Lauren, you can grind through. And let me tell you, this was like really hard to go from the CrossFit games and then jump right back into everything. And um, I mean, it made the vacation very worth it once I got my tush on the beach. (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine. And I suppose particularly for you obviously the CrossFit Games is the end of the season right so does it feel like you are fully like your momentum's built up to this one weekend does it like how do you feel afterwards does it all kind of go a bit of a lull obviously there's been lots going on surrounding it but how do you feel like coming off the back of the games it's weird because in one breath your body is so happy to be back in your own bed and maybe sleep more than five hours and eat your own food and all that kind of stuff that comes with traveling and just the like stress and anxiety of go 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 like coverage this athlete that athlete oh now we got to switch gears but after your body has kind of settled back into routine there is a little bit of depression that comes because I mean, a lot of my best friends are people in the space that I see maybe three, four, five times a year. So it's like one big celebration. Everybody is together. You're doing what you love on the biggest stage. And then you're like back at home. And I'm like, oh, what do I do? Like, I'm still really busy working, but being here, what we're doing now with my dogs is my only (laughs) sense of people I can talk to. It's very different. So I think that there's a lot of emotions that come into it, the highs and the lows after covering a big competition like the CrossFit Games. Yeah, it must be like a bit of a come down almost, right? Because you're literally full on, full on, full on. Um, How do like, obviously you've said about vacation, how do you de-stress after a weekend like that? Because I can also imagine, I mean, you know, I do a lot of comps here that are two days max, really, but five days and not just the five days of competition, the before and after, it's a lot of adrenaline, it's a lot going on. How do you kind of separate yourself from that? I suppose not just when you're there, but when you come back as well. Yeah, I think it's funny because I... Since I was a little girl, I've always been an extrovert. I love talking to people. I love doing things. I love going, going, going. But I've realized in my adulthood that my battery actually does have a limit. (laughs) And when the battery is empty, people verbally have told me, are you okay? What's going on? Just because I'm quiet. Once, Once the battery is empty, I don't have much left in me. But I have figured out how to extend my battery through a competition that normally it's the next like two sometimes only one day after something like the CrossFit games where I won't answer any phone calls I won't really answer any text messages unless like it's super urgent Um, even whether it's work friends family I always tell my parents when I'm at competitions hey you're not going to hear from me for maybe five days I am alive check my Instagram I (laughs) I'm okay this is just kind of how I maneuver in this space but for me it's just 
I like to lay on my couch and watch like a stupid rom-com or like, it sounds silly, but I've seen the notebook so many times, but there's something about the comfort of watching something that you already know what's going to happen and you can just lay there and be. Mm -hmm. It's, I mean, I do that. I just rewatch One Tree Hill (laughs) and everyone always knows something going on with me because One Tree Hill's like, oh, here she goes. Yep, I've done the same with the OC that was around the similar time as One Tree Hill. And yeah, there's comfort in being familiar with something like that. Absolutely. Uh, So going back slightly, because obviously you had a career before CrossFit, right? How did you discover CrossFit? What was your first, how did you get introduced to it? What was your first experience like? When was it? It was that, well... I knew what CrossFit was because my dad was doing CrossFit and there was somewhere along the lines after college and I was in the professional space doing TV journalism and I just kind of got into this rut where I was going out a lot. I was drinking a lot of craft beer. I lived in a town that they like loved craft beer. So it was just culturally, it was just part of it. I was eating a lot of pizza and I went on a family vacation, the same one that I just got back from, and me and my sister are sitting on the beach with my mom, and all of a sudden, my dad walks with no shirt, like, towards us, and I'm like, why does my almost 60-year-old dad look better than me when I'm in my 20s? This is is a problem. We got to pump the brakes and figure out what he's doing. Of course, it was CrossFit, so then that was kind of something that him and I were able to, at the beginning, share in common. I was able to go to a CrossFit gym with him and the coaches were super hands-on and having an athletic background, I picked up a lot of the movements pretty quickly. And it was like the first day that I was in the box, I became competitive and it wasn't even competitive against other people. It was just me. I wanted to be healthier. I wanted to get these movements. I mean, two months after I started CrossFit, I signed up for a competition in the scale division and I didn't have pull-ups and that was on the standard list. And I stood there for the eight minutes that the workout was, and I tried my darn hardest to get a pull-up. And it was just like, I instantly gravitated towards the community aspect and the, the building each other up to accomplish these goals. It is one of them things, isn't it, that it's so hard to describe to people that have never experienced it. And I think that's actually a really good example, going to a competition and not having something, but just trying. (laughs) And I think that is like, yeah, you watch the CrossFit Games and obviously you, in your experience, deal with elite athletes a lot of the time, but 90% of the people that do CrossFit are those people, right? Are the people Mm -hmm. that just go in and try What was it about it that made you fall in love with it? That's a good question because I've always loved sports and I've always loved being competitive and giving yourself goals. And with CrossFit, it just was so different than all of the other sports I had done. I've always done team sports. Um, I danced, which was a little bit of like you'd have your group routine, but you would also have your solo routine. So I had a nice blend of that. But With CrossFit, even though you weren't on a team, it still felt like you were on a team. When I was doing class, and again, I was not good when I started. I think most of us like aren't good when we start, even though I have a dance background, I'm still like not really coordinated. I'm trying to figure out these gymnastics movements, but there was something about everybody is cheering for you and even though I've only met some of these people a couple of times for one hour a day, they're all of a sudden my biggest cheerleaders. And that makes me want to be their biggest cheerleaders too. And it was just the culture of it all. I was really gravitated towards and knowing that, Hey, this is something that it doesn't matter how old I get. I can still find like little things to work towards. And that was just really cool to me. It is, it's one of them sports, isn't it? That there's, it's never ending, particularly now, like with new programming and new movements, mm-hmm. there's always something to learn. You can be the best in the world, but you still have something to learn. And I think that is what a lot of people love so much about it. So I love how you've just described that. Um, 
talking like of when you started I know CrossFit has grown rapidly in the last kind of particularly 10 years five Mm -hmm. years even did you ever think you'd go into a career surrounding CrossFit no like I would have daydreams about it and I will never forget as soon as I started CrossFit I realized oh there's like podcasts and stuff that I can listen to to consume CrossFit news and the funny thing is I went to Sean and Tommy to listen to them on Talking Elite Fitness. And I'm like, man, I wonder how these guys got into this. Like, that would be so cool. But there's no way I can make a career doing this. And I don't even know how you would apply because coming from local TV, it's like there's a very specific way that you go up in the ranks and who you apply to and the companies you want to work for where with these media companies that eventually didn't work for CrossFit anymore. Like, what do you do? You just like start texting or DMing people. And truthfully, that's, that's what I did is I was subscribed to morning chalk ups newsletter and they had a little like info at morning chalk up email. And I was like, I don't know. I, I feel like I have credentials where I could, you know, write for them a little bit. Let me shoot an email and see if they want me. And that's truthfully all it took to get my foot in the door and eventually take that and grow it into what it is now. It's mad to think, isn't it? Because also CrossFit for us, for you and I, it seems massive and it is massive, but actually in the grand scheme of things compared to other sports, we Mm. are so far away from, you know, like soccer or, well, you know, things like that. Yeah. obviously you have a journalistic background and that was something when you kind of sent that initial email what was your kind of like goal or I know you said obviously like I'm just going to shoot my shot but what were you hoping to get out of that truthfully at the time this is when I knew in my heart that I didn't want to work in local tv anymore I knew that I mean, the way that local TV works is you sign at minimum, typically like a three to five year contract. And I was about six months away from having to either resign or find another career. And I knew that sending the email would like push me in a direction that I wanted to be in. But at the time, it's funny now, like looking back, I was like, oh, yeah, if somebody shoots an email to morning chalk up, they're going to answer. But coming from a TV background, I'm like, I don't know if anybody even checks the inbox. I don't know if this is going to go to spam. I don't know. Like they'll, they probably won't even answer me is truthfully what I thought just from my experience in in local media. They're just, I mean, you can send an email to 20 news directors and you probably won't hear back from any of them. <laughs> That's just how the industry works. So I mean, yeah, in my heart, my goal was to get an email back and hopefully turn it into something. But if I'm being honest with myself, I really didn't think it was going to turn into anything. I was like, I don't have anything to lose. I might as well try. I I love that. And I think that is so important for anyone, anything like you don't know if you don't try. And it's something that I personally really try and live by. And going into Morning Chalk Up, obviously they are predominantly articles and writing did Mm -hmm. you obviously coming from being on camera did you ever expect to then kind of do that again for the CrossFit space were you thinking oh I can just potentially write a few articles what were you kind of planning on doing if anything I didn't when I left TV I thought that that door was locked and sealed and I was never going to be on camera again I truthfully had no desire, just the way that local TV works. A lot of it. I mean, I was told that I didn't get jobs because I wasn't the right gender or my personality was too big for news, which to me is (laughs) so strange. Somebody telling you, you have the wrong personality for this job. Hmm. What does, I don't even know what that means. And it was, I didn't, I felt, yeah, I felt like I didn't get a lot of jobs that I wanted to because of things that weren't necessarily in my control. So I just had a really poor taste in my mouth about being on camera and kind of going down that broadcast route again, that it was almost like a security blanket for me 
being able to just have my name on a byline, not putting my face out there and just being a really good writer and storyteller with which ultimately is why I got into journalism anyways. It's not because I want to like put my face on the screen. It's because I love talking to people. I love hearing people's stories and giving them a platform to highlight maybe what they've been through or their journey about something. I absolutely love that. And I think it's people like you and that's why it's so great in the CrossFit space, I think in particular, because as I say, we don't have that mass coverage and I think people are actually mm-hmm. almost a lot more open in the sport and you I mean I don't obviously you actually know these people but I feel like I watch the games and I know them you know I know their yeah. stories we've followed them along and having that kind of attitude towards ever wanting to tell other people's stories is just so special and so important um going forward then you were you it seemed very quick from an outsider's point of view but correct me if I'm wrong it seems like you went from writing one article to being pretty much the face (laughs) of morning chalk up really quickly (laughs) it did kind of happen that way it was I started writing for them in March of 2021 and at that point I still was working at my local tv station so I was writing maybe one article a week sometimes two if I had more flexibility to do so mostly I would just write all of the articles on the weekend because working in tv I mean you're glued to what you're doing with (laughs) no extra time when you're in the office but uh I think I did my first video interview then around August or September it probably was so it was it was a couple of months but I mean right at the get-go I had two people that worked at Morning Chalk Up and as soon as they saw my background they were getting in my ear you you should revive the YouTube channel we know you would be great at this like bring back the bottom line do athlete interviews and for months I was like guys, leave me alone. I'm not doing it. I have no interest. Like, just let me sit here on my couch and write these articles where nobody needs to see my face and let me be a journalist in that way. And then at one point, I don't know if I was just sick of them telling me to do it or if there maybe was a little bit of, hey, you should give this another shot. But I remember it was an interview with Danny Spiegel and I had so much fun. It, it it was like no time had passed. We just got back into it. Even though I, I didn't know Danny at the time, it just felt natural. And at that point I was like, ah, oh, I think that this is what I'm meant to do. It got you. It got you back. <laughs> it did. It did. And I really didn't think it would. And even my parents tell me to this day, they both cried the last day that I was on the local news they were like you're just so good at it like this is what you're meant to do and again guys leave me alone this is not what I want to do just let me like be and I'll figure something else out but I think it's really telling when the people who are closest to you are telling you hey like you should give this another shot and we think that maybe you will like it again. And at this point, I, I truthfully can't see myself doing anything else. And I think as well, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but and I'm sure you were passionate about the news at the time, but when you've kind of maybe lost your love for that and you find something that you're really passionate about, and as you mentioned before, you're invested in these people and their stories, mm-hmm. does it make it a lot easier? Oh my gosh. The amount of, uh, CrossFit stories that I would pitch (laughs) in the newsroom like hey I feel like we should be covering this new CrossFit gym or oh my gosh look at this really great story about this program that they're doing for kids with special needs like I would always be invested in trying to tell more CrossFit stories or really just fitness stories in general when I worked in the local TV station. And of course, everybody's looking at me like I have six heads while I'm sitting at my desk eating chicken and broccoli and rice and saying, we should talk more about fitness and the benefits of CrossFit. And it just was an easy transition to now be doing something that I'm passionate about but the stories I'm doing are I'm even more passionate about where before, I mean, who truthfully, who finds the passion and there are people out there obviously because local TV, but I will never forget 
there was a drive-by shooting and there was an 11 month old baby who got shot in a vehicle. And my assignment for the day was to go stake out in front of this mother's house who her baby is in the ICU and get that interview. And just there's people out there who can do that and God bless them. But that just wasn't me. I had knots in my stomach. I'm like, if, if the tables were turned, I would slam a door in somebody's face if they wanted to get me on camera talking about this. And I know that some of those stories do need to be told to spread awareness and for whatever, but it just, that doesn't light my fire. That doesn't get me excited and get me out of bed to want to go to work. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Harrowing almost, isn't it? And Mm -hmm. I suppose as well, it's just what's important to different people, right? As you say, stories like that do need to be told, but also some people don't want to hear that. And I think again, this whole kind of CrossFit thing, people listen because they want to, and they hear the CrossFit stories because they want to, and they're invested in it's something that they're part of where I suppose with news it's a lot of the time people will listen because they feel they have to or they need to and and that's the kind of flip um on a more positive note (laughs) (laughs) sorry doom and gloom dear lord (laughs) the child being (laughs) well I mean it's definitely the first time in on this podcast anything like that's been mentioned yeah (laughs) but it's important so we (laughs) of course um but going from obviously re-energizing and this YouTube channel that was is so successful how do you how did you then get into and I suppose it was probably quite a natural progression but then going and doing in-person interviews and sidelines into all the events that were going on so yeah most of it was all virtual I'm trying to think of when my first in-person competition was doing coverage. And I think it actually was the CrossFit games in 2022. But before that, yeah, it was all virtual. And I'll never forget standing at North Park and screaming athletes names, like as I'm waving my camera up. And at this point, they've never met me in person. They've met me over a Zoom interview. And again, they maybe they know I'm credible, but maybe they don't. I'm still very new in the space and I get people have to pick and choose who they give their time to. And it was just that, that was terrifying for me. And the sense that I'm surrounded by all of these people who already have a name in the space, who this is maybe their 10th CrossFit game. And I'm standing there, little old Lauren (laughs) in a sea of essentially men And I'm yelling to get athletes to come talk to me. Some of them did. Some of them didn't. But fast forward to now at the CrossFit Games, gosh, as much as I hustled this year, it was just so easy to already have that relationship with these athletes where they see me, they know (laughs) what I'm there for and what I'm going to want. And I feel like they have a sense of comfort, too, because like Emma Carey, for example, Her and I have a really great relationship, as I do with most of the athletes. But after an event, I was like, hey, do you mind if we grab a quick interview? And she was like, hey, I'm going to go cool down on the bike, but I'll come grab you when I'm ready. Cool. No problem. And we have that relationship where they know that I'm not trying to be a pest and I'm not trying to catch you in some kind of weird environment like I just want to interview you guys because I want to tell your best story. I'm not there to get the I gotcha moment where sometimes you see it in the space. Mostly you see it in local news with politics and interviewing people in those spaces. But I'm just there to have fun. Like this is sport. Most of it should be fun. And if you Mm -hmm. forget that we're in this because of the fun and you turn it into something that is so hard-hitting and so investigative journalism it's like come on this is sport yes there's a time and a place in the sport where those stories need to be told but for the most part we're doing it for the love of crossfit Mm -hmm. yeah exactly and as you say it's and i'm sure people will take this in many different ways but it is only a sport and if it's not fun then as you say why are we here why are we there 
Um, mm-hmm. I love your interviews because I always laugh because if I've done a really hard workout and I'm on the floor dying <laughs> and bearing in mind I do not push myself to anywhere near the level that they do either <laughs> I if someone came over to me and tr- like, it's like trying to get a fist bump off of someone at the end of class you're like, you're like oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> impossible getting words out of these people and actually that they make sense and that they're invested in you and as you say, I know you've obviously worked really hard to build that relationship. But do you think your experience in reporting and kind of doing those harder like subjects actually almost helps in that way because you potentially have that natural rapport and things like that? Do you think it's that helps benefit them, I suppose, getting getting the words out of them when they are literally like on the floor? <laughs> yeah, I mean it's funny because when I got out of local TV, the one of the first thoughts was, man, I just wasted eight years of my life in a career that now is going nowhere. I have a degree that is essentially useless. Uh, oh, what, what am I going to do? And I was employed or unemployed for a full month where I was just lost. I felt like I didn't have an identity anymore. I felt almost in crisis mode, like, Oh, Lauren, you're going to be 30 and you're unemployed and you have a house and how are you going to pay your mortgage and all of these terrifying things that eventually obviously worked out. But I am so grateful for those eight years because that forced me to get uncomfortable. It forced me to ask tough questions, even if I really didn't want to. There were so many times that you're given a task And I don't know, it could be something as simple as um, go ask people what their favorite thing about the state fair is. Not a real example, but you get it. And then you're just forced to go post up somewhere and try to get as many people to go on camera and tell them why they love the state fair. And these are, you're completely randomizing or randomly going up to people and trying to get them to go on camera and I mean a lot of them do say no the percentage of being turned down is crazy but that really gave me this comfort level to read body language I'm not going to go up to every single person if I can read you have to learn how to read the room and you also have to learn how to read these athletes. And the more time you spend with them, the easier that gets. One of the tough things I would say, though, is being in this space. And this isn't a knock at anybody specifically. This is more just general. It's hard because now there's so many people that are trying to get some of those interviews. And and nothing against them, but they just don't have the experience to know, hey, as soon as the athlete crosses the finish line, you got to let them cool down first, let them grab a water, let them go sit in front of like the big, uh, fans, let them take a moment. They'll get up as you see them kind of approaching your area. That's when you want to ask for the interview. But now sometimes it's like athletes cross the finish line and it's, there's blood in the water and everyone's like, Hey, can you come? Can you come? Can you come? And sometimes that rubs the athlete the wrong way and almost sets me up for, oh man, now they're in a crappy mood. Like I have to butter them up. But, um, I think it's just reading the room, figuring out athletes, personalities, because somebody, for example, Brent Fakowski, I don't think he's ever turned me down for an interview. He's so easy to work with. And I know that's one in the bag. It's always going to happen. But somebody like Laura Horvath, who I haven't interviewed as many times, there's a lot more observing that I do of her body language. What are her facial expressions right now? Does she look like she's happy about her performance? Does she look like she wants to talk to me? Um, And I mean, sometimes you ask anyways, but just knowing when is appropriate and when is not. And then um, asking the questions. I'm lucky. They, most of them make it really easy. There was this one time that Tola (laughs) got done with a workout and he was, he was, he was dying. He was hurting pretty bad. He won it. So it's fine. And it was an off season competition. So I'm like, okay, this is super chill. And he physically pushed the camera out of his face and he's like, the interview is done. And I'm like, 
okay, no worries. We'll talk later. So I mean, sometimes that happens and they just don't want to talk. But for the most part, I think that my experience has set me up to know how and when to interview athletes. Absolutely. And yeah, it does crack me up because if honestly, if anyone came up to me when I was like on the floor in a oh yeah, not a chance. I'd be like, see you later. <laughs> but also I suppose it comes with the territory, right? For them, they know to expect it. Um, but yeah, I'm sure you make it fun for them as well. <laughs> so <laughs> I try. <laughs> definitely. Um, I want to talk a little bit about a big career move that you made in the last year. Um, you obviously moved podcasts and channels and careers um, and you are working with two of the very very best over at Talking Elite Fitness um, if you're happy to would you tell us a little bit about why you made that decision yeah so I worked with Tommy Marquez at Morning Chalk Up so him and I had always had a really great working relationship he um, appeared on the bottom line a couple of times and it was almost through him that I met Sean and I think I think I met Sean back at the 2021 games. I don't know. Everything is such a blur now. Yeah, I think 2021 was my first year at the games. That's when I was still writing for Morning Chalk Up. I wasn't doing anything on camera yet. I was actually managing their newsletter. And Sean and Tommy were staying in the campgrounds. And because of mutual friends, I would hang out there too. And I would be getting the newsletter ready as they would you know, be doing their podcast at the end of the night. So at that point, Sean and I, we met and we shared old TV stories because he used to be a TV uh, sports guy. So we just had this, you know, mutual connection over past careers, which was always fun. And him and I would just kind of stay in contact every now and then I was seeing what him and Tommy were doing with Talking Elite Fitness and how they were trying to grow. And Tommy had spoken to me that they were trying to build the team. Uh, this was probably about a year and a half ago around that. It was before the CrossFit Games last year. And it when I looked at my career and the trajectory and how I wanted to move forward, it just seemed like the best decision for me to team up with arguably the best broadcasters in the space. That's what I want to do. I mean, for me, I, yes, I love talking elite fitness and the podcast and all of that, but one of my really big goals in the space is I want to call play by play. So why don't I align myself with two people who are the most professional voices in the space? Um, they're people who I can trust and they're people that make me better. So the three of us started talking about a year ago on how, how could we all work together? How can we make this happen? And it just seemed like our ethics and morals and work culture and style and all of those things that make for a really healthy environment aligned. So then finally, after Wadapalooza, we had like some conversations there. And finally, I became the third member of their squad. And a great third member to say the least uh it is it's such a nice kind of I think for anyone who's been listening to Talking Elite Fitness for a while it's really lovely to have that extra member as well like it just brings something new um and as you state they are two of the very very best if not the best um it's so interesting because I was actually going to ask you this about what else you want to do in the sport sorry my dogs are losing their mind in the background I hope you can't hear it too much <laughs> um doing the play-by-play is that something that because currently and um, this is kind of a two-parter question obviously that's what Tommy and Sean do so having you there to do the kind of post-workout interviews and everything is obviously something new but are you learning from them when you're there at the games are you kind of shadowing how are you what is your experience with that prior and how are you kind of learning to do that now Yeah. It's funny because basically what I do is I sideline report. I get the interviews. I do little recaps. And while that is really fun for me, especially because it allows me to be involved with the athletes. And I think it almost makes for better storytelling because you're constantly talking to athletes. If I'm not interviewing them, I'm sometimes shooting them a, a DM or sometimes I'm texting them. And sometimes that stuff doesn't quote unquote, like make air 
until halfway through the season. It's just little nuggets that you gather throughout the year, just having relationships and talking to these athletes that I think give a better full picture. But while I love doing that, my heart is really with the play-by-play and calling the action. So, I mean, Sean and Tommy are great because they both know that this is like one of my goals. And it sometimes is an uncomfortable conversation because I held this card so close to my chest for the longest time because from the outside looking in, there's only one person that does play-by-play and there's one person that does color at each competition. There's not that many competitions. So if I get called up, that means I'm essentially taking a job over not just somebody else in the space, but one of my coworkers and one of my really, really good friends. And that's uncomfortable. But through the conversations I've had with them, they thankfully don't look at it that way. Why wouldn't they encourage me to do what I want the same way that I'll encourage them to do what they want? And I don't really look at anybody in the space as competition. I just look at it as we can all learn from each other. We all have a very different style. And the more of us that can do this stuff, the better it is for the ecosystem. Because in my head, I'm like, well, why can't we have two people do play-by-play at a competition? For example, what if I do the lower heats? And then what if Sean then does the two final heats? I think that that is a great way that CrossFit could lean on training people to get more voices. Uh, You look, for example, Chase Ingram at the CrossFit Games. He got sick, totally lost his voice. And that is the biggest competition. You want to have somebody who is also there that can do the job. So it's, it's interesting because again, it's so different than TV and where you like apply for jobs. It doesn't work like that. You essentially need to be good and prove that you're good. And I hate to say it, but you do need to know people. You need to constantly be networking. So when I'm at the CrossFit games or at any of these in-person competitions, the first day that I get there, I normally spent just hustling going around talking to people, putting my name in front of them and my face in front of them, building relationships. And I don't want to say that in a way that sounds disingenuine or unauthentic. Um, because again, like the people on my team and the people that I want to work with have to first be people that I actually like. I don't want to align myself with people who um, maybe we have completely different work ethics. Maybe we have different uh, core values. And not to say that I can't work with people who are different than me because we're all different, but it just needs to be genuine relationships. That comes first. And then secondary is, well, how can we work together? How can we turn this into a partnership? And I think that that's really what CrossFit is, whether you work on the professional side or in a box, like who are the people you're working out with? Who are the people that you're doing partner competitions with or cheering on and watching them succeed at these things that are sometimes really hard <laughs> queen of hustle always yes <laughs> I love that it's my, probably always. my favorite nickname but yeah you're so right and I think something I, I'm personally learning as well is that many media spaces and I'm sure you've probably experienced this with, with the news are very competitive and CrossFit doesn't feel like that because it's so small everyone's trying to kind of help each other out and you know a lot more than me so correct me if I'm wrong there but that's kind of how it seems I'm sure there are definitely think people and businesses that aren't like that but a lot of it is um and it's, it seems quite welcoming it is but I would say the the media culture is different in the sense that I would say most of us do get along but I would I would correct you in the sense that there is online hate and online bullying that directly attacks one podcast or one source of information that you don't see that in local TV. Like, sure, if I was in the newsroom and I worked for Channel 3 and we're watching Channel 9, because you're always watching your competitors, and we could say, man, like, They totally miss the other half of the story. Like this isn't the full picture. I would never then go put a comment on social media about Mm -hmm. it. I would then just do the story better. 
That is the mm-hmm. best retaliation. Just do the job better. Don't go attack somebody on social media. And I do think that there's too much of that um, that I would like to see go away. But at the end of the day, if if I see something I don't like, I'm just I'm just going to do it better. Yeah. <laughs> write that down. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I we mentioned briefly earlier about being a woman in in the CrossFit space, and it's funny because in terms of CrossFit as a sport, it is probably one of the most equal sports when it comes mm-hmm. to men and women. But in actually CrossFit media, there is still a real lack of women. Um, how is it being a woman in the space? Mm. It's, it's interesting because for me, I haven't really noticed it when I'm out there doing my thing because I kind of have my blinders on. And to me, I just am so focused on what the end result is, but sometimes it is tough because I wish that there were more women in the space because I think that, and without like comparing men to women too much, I do think that a female voice and perspective does add something different. The same way that a male perspective adds something different. Like we just don't all think the same. And I would like to see more females you know, stepping up, getting their feet wet, just going to competitions, asking people if they can, hey, can I help you with this project? Or, I mean, going back to our first conversation, you never know unless you ask. The answer is always going to be no until you ask. And then you have a shot that it could be yes. (laughs) I do need extra hands at this competition or whatever it is. And I just think that there's value in pushing for that, especially when you look at the the sport of it, you have both men and women competing on the same stage, one heat of men go, one heat of women go. And it's not like, well, the women have these hours and the men have these hours. It is very interconnected. So it would be nice to see more of that in the media space. And I don't know if the voices just aren't out there yet. I don't know if the voices are just afraid to use their voices because I've been there too. And I understand that. Um, I mean, again, women in sports and in general, it doesn't really matter what sport we're talking about. It's always going to be pretty male dominant. Um, but I would like, I would like to see more of it because I think it would add even a greater value to the overall picture. I will say for, morning chalk up I think more than half of their writing staff is female so I guess I answered my own question the voices are out there it's just you need to get more of them (laughs) we do we do absolutely and it's something and I know you've personally been very open about it on social media but in general women are criticized more it seems for the way they look and the way they are and you know that's that's a societal thing that you know cannot be fixed mm-hmm. overnight and we have come <laughs> we've come so far but there's still so far to go um and it's something you know I've messaged you about it and spoken to you it's the way we look and the way women are in CrossFit is something that I think people that go to CrossFit boxes become better with their self-image and their self-esteem and there's something Mm -hmm. about CrossFit that really really benefits us in that way and really helps us you know whether it be the lack of mirrors or the support or whatever that may be but actually when you're on that main stage as part of a CrossFit media team and you are in front of the camera again and everything how does it affect you from that side I suppose in conjunction with being in the gym and feeling it Mm. I mean, for the first, I think, year I did CrossFit, I wouldn't wear shorts. I know that I have cellulite on the back of my legs. Even when I was my leanest, thinnest, it's always there. And again, I don't want to speak for all men because there certainly are men that deal with body image issues the same way that women do. But I think that it just, 
there's more women that that deal with some of these insecurities. And I mean, even when it comes to interviewing athletes that are so fit and so ripped, and it definitely comes with some insecurities, me feeling like, oh my gosh, maybe I should have wore longer shorts today. Like my glutes and hamstrings do not look like insert athlete like theirs. Um, and now I'm standing next to them and I'm feeling a little awkward and I really just wish that I was in a hoodie and sweatpants, but <laughs> you, I mean, that's just part of it. And what I've learned through the years is almost as quickly as that thought pops into my mind, it also disappears pretty quickly at this point in my life. Yes. I still have those thoughts. I'm human, but it's like, no, Lauren, like you're not here to have incredible glutes and hamstrings. You're here to be the best reporter and journalist that you can be. And that's why people trust you. And that's why people are going to come to you to answer your questions. That they Ultimately, the athletes who I'm interviewing do not care whether I have a six pack or a single pack. They could care less. It's not going to change whether they talk to me or not. But that doesn't mean I'm not human and I don't have my own insecurities. Um, but I think it's just, it's through the evolution of going into the gym, training in the gym, being confident about what you're wearing. And if something is comfortable, like for me, shorts are way more comfortable than leggings, unless I'm running because then my legs like <laughs> chafe together and that doesn't feel great. But for the most part, shorts is what I would pick every single time. And I need to get that image of what do the perfect legs with shorts look like? It doesn't matter. This is what's comfortable for me. And if anybody has a problem with it, then close your eyes or don't look at me. Like you have the choice on what you consume. <laughs> Absolutely. As someone said to me once, people are going to look at you, but it doesn't mean they're thinking what you're thinking. Yeah. And it's so Your true. biggest critic. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we can't read people's minds as much as we think we can, unless they're saying mm -hmm. it, which 99% of the time they're not. <laughs> it's our brains. Um, but no, thank you for sharing that. Because I think particularly, as you say, when there are less women, particularly in that side of, of CrossFit, it's really important that, you know, we understand and we're all human, as you say. Yeah. Um, I think it is hard, though, because while I don't agree with and I don't think that anybody should be talking specifically about what a woman looks like or their body image or anything like that it's it is a little bit of a balancing act when you want to talk about the sport of crossfit and sometimes not talking about whether it's male or female what their body weight is into the equation like for example if athletes are about to do a a running marathon I hope that never happens, but whatever. If they're about to run a marathon, then looking at athletes' body types probably comes into the conversation of who is going to perform well. The same way as if, okay, somebody is going to max out their deadlift, it's going to favor certain body types. So it's it's sometimes truthfully as hard to not let that drive the conversation because there's so many other things that take precedent. But I do think that that is a little bit into it and it's hard because I, I'm friends with a lot of these athletes. I never want somebody to think that I'm being offensive or I'm picking apart their body or anything that would like blur those lines. Mm -hmm. Um, but it truthfully is a balancing act on making sure that your verbiage is always sport specific, not human specific, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah. And factual as well. Right. So as you say, mm -hmm. it, you, it's only, you're not going to say it in a random workout where everyone is probably, you know, with the same level, it's not going to affect, you know, but it's, I suppose in the sense of a really strange example, but talking about someone doing walls, like it's going to benefit the taller person than the shorter person. Exactly. Exactly. So Another great example. Having them facts rather, as you say, than rather it being human specific um, mm -hmm. is needed sometimes. Yeah. 
I am gonna round this up very soon, but I do have some quick fire questions for you. Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) I know you are an avid athlete too, so I'm gonna throw my athlete ones at you, but then I'm gonna ask you some some podcasty ones. Uh, So, athlete, CrossFit wise, in your training, favorite lift? (gasps) Oof, back squat. No one said that yet. (laughs) Why has no one said that? Oh, I love it because yes, there's technique that's involved, but the goal is to go down and come back up. And that's all I really need to think about. And I love it. <laughs> it doesn't take a lot of brain power. It's great. Yeah. Um, favorite overall movement? Handstand pushups. Your favorite benchmark wad? DT. Nice. That's mine too. Uh, the barbell. Always. <laughs> oh, it's a love affair. Um, yeah. If you were to go to the games as part of a team, and bearing in mind you know a lot of these athletes, who would be your dream team that you'd have beside you? Oh, this is easy right now because I know they're looking for women. Uh, Noah Olsen and Chandler Smith. I would link up with them because I know that they're going to be really fit, but I also know that they're going to be really fun. And I can't foresee Noah or Chandler yelling at me if I'm too slow on a 5K. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think... They just look like they have the best time. And I just, yeah. What about females? Who would you have with you? Who would I have with me? Um, Andrea Nissler is so fit, but I think she's too serious for me. (laughs) She would tell me, Lauren, come on, pick up the pace. You're slowing us down. (laughs) Um, I'm going to say Kyra Milligan, who was on, um, yeah, on one of the Mayhem teams this mm-hmm. year. She would be fun to compete with. She's very cool. They are my athlete-ish questions. Uh, and then my questions for you as a, as a host. Uh, your favorite off-season comp to attend and to work at? Mm, Palooza. Give me the beach and the sunshine, baby. <laughs> I had a feeling you were going to say that. <laughs> yes, and it gives me an excuse to paint my nails like some bright neon colors. <laughs> it just looks so fun. Um, and then my final question for you, and I'm sure you have very many. Who has been your favorite person to interview in the CrossFit space over the last few years? I have so many, and they're all for different reasons. But a story that I really like that I told was with Kelsey Keel when she made the choice to uh, freeze her eggs. I thought it was something that we don't really hear a lot about and athletes don't really talk about. Um, But I mean, as somebody who wants to keep being competitive in the space, she might want to have a future family. Uh, I just thought it was so brave of her to talk about it so openly. And it was fascinating because the human body and the female body, holy cow, like our hormones and everything that we go through. And, um, it just was, it was a breath of fresh air and it was a cool story that I think there's probably more of those in the space. Absolutely. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on and sharing your stories. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. This was so fun. Thanks for having me.